Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, I want to say this morning, happy, happy Easter. And I got to say it twice because I didn't get to say it last year. Right? So it was just a little over a year ago that our world came to a seeming screeching halt. Everything that we knew as normal was about to change. And it was just weeks before Easter that we all of a sudden learned that we were entering into the very early stages of what was to become a global, worldwide pandemic. Now, I've read a lot about the underground church. I've actually learned a lot about the underground church, but never in my wildest dreams did I think that in the United States of America, the church would be relegated underground, but that's what happened. We actually went underground, and it was the first time in my life that I recorded and delivered an Easter message from the basement of my home all alone. It was the weirdest feeling. And I think you'll agree, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? Where have you all been? (laughs) Let me get a look at you. You've all gotten so big. Where have you been? (laughs) I haven't seen you in such a long time. We want to welcome you back. Thank you. Isn't it great to be live here in person this Easter? And we celebrate and we rejoice together. We also want to welcome our new audience, the new congregation of Grace Crossing Church, the wider audience, many that are joining us by way of our broadcast today. We want to thank you for wherever you are, wherever you're joining us. We're so, so glad that you're here and that you're a part of Grace Crossing Church. We're thankful. And we hope that someday that you'll take a step to join us here in person. We would love to get to meet you in person and say thank you and uh, get acquainted with you. And we'd love to have you here joining us for a live experience. Well, talking about the year that it's been, I'm really excited to announce that next weekend we're starting a brand new series. And I'm going to be launching the brand new series next weekend that really is kind of coming out of this year that we've been in. Because everything in our lives and in our world that could be shaken in the past year has been shaken. Including for many, their very faith has been shaken. So next weekend we're starting a brand new series called Unshakable. What an ideal segue out of the series we've been in called Equip, where we've been talking about standing firm and moving into a series called Unshakable. We hope you'll join us next weekend. This morning, we come to the culmination of our Equip series. I have strategically placed this morning's message on Easter Sunday, the culmination of Equipped, because friends, this is really what it's all about. And I joined Paul the Apostle, and I want to actually launch this morning's talk where we started it seven weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. I joined Paul in this prayer for all of you this Easter. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, Paul the apostle here prays three things for us. He prays that we would know three things, not intellectually. He prays that we would know these three things 
experientially. That's what the word means, no. It's not a head knowledge. It is a knowledge that we gain by experience. All the senses working together. And the first thing that Paul prays for us, that I join him in prayer for you this Easter, is that we would know the hope to which he has called us. Now, when you read that word or hear that word called in scripture, think invitation. Through Jesus Christ, you and I are invited to the hope that is offered to us in Christ. We are invited into a hope that is anchored in Jesus, that does not disappoint us, that never fades away, that will not fail us, but sometimes it does elude us. And this past year, many of us have felt the hopelessness and the sense of hope eluding us. I want to go back to early in our marriage, early in our ministry. My wife, Kelly, has shared about this story with our church in the past, with our women, but it's been maybe years, and those of you joining us new may not know this. But Kelly went through a very dark season of the soul early in our marriage and early in our ministry. Now, John of the Cross talks about the dark night of the soul. We have been in a collective dark season of the soul, not in just our country, but in our world. But back early in our marriage and our ministry, Kelly was really struggling, and I couldn't figure out how to help her. In fact, many times I would make matters worse because I would just simply tell her to get over it. Like, like, can't you just understand what God says for you? I mean, I was so disintegrated from my own emotions that I couldn't enter into hers. And, and, and finally, she got to a point where we both recognized there was help that she needed beyond what any of us could figure out and do. And so we reached out to an organization that we were familiar with. In fact, we knew the founder and president of the organization called Emerge Ministries, which was a Christian counseling ministry in Akron, Ohio. I was in my second position as an associate pastor in a church on the northwest side of Cleveland. And we drove to Akron, Ohio, so that Kelly could meet with Dr. Richard Dobbins and be evaluated. She spent three hours in an evaluation. They did all sorts of intakes with her. And finally, at the end of it, Dr. Dobbins walked into the room where Kelly was sitting, and he said to her, you are severely depressed. He said, I want you to meet immediately with our Christian psychiatrist, who was the vice president of Emerge Ministries. And that's what she did. And I'll never forget the story that she told. i never forget the leap in her step when she walked out of his office. After those hours of waiting, Kelly actually had walked into Dr. Raja's office and she said to him, I feel like I don't want to live. And in God's wisdom, he looked at her and said, I don't think it's that you don't want to live. I think it's that you want hope. And she was diagnosed with a chemical imbalance called anxiety disease, a condition called anxiety disease. I'd never heard anything about it, but he handed her a book and we read it together. And it awakened something in my life and her life that all of a sudden she began to have a sense of hope that there's a name for this. There's something going on. It's something that can be addressed. 
Listen, you might feel that sense of hopelessness today. And your hopelessness may be caused by some sort of medical condition that needs to be addressed. And I would encourage you to do that. But much of our hopelessness in life is very emotional. It comes from a place that actually isn't biochemical. It's actually something much deeper than that. Well, Paul prays that we would know know the rich which he has called us. He secondly prays over us, and he prays that we would know the riches of our inheritance in Christ. This is profound. Because inheritance is not given unless someone has died. Right, and many people don't even know that they're in an inheritance and they're going to receive an inheritance until they're notified. Well, what Paul the Apostle here is doing is he's notifying us. He's letting us know something. He's telling us Jesus died for us. Jesus actually paid a price so that we could take everything that belonged to him, everything that was rightfully his, that he now makes available to us and says, I invite you into my inheritance. I share it with all of those of you who are part of God's family. Now, some of you are really excited because you've just gotten your tax refund. Yeah, you're really excited. Others of you cannot believe that money really does grow on trees in Washington, D.C. because you just got a stimulus check and you're going, where is this coming from? Like, how is this possible? I used to be told when I was a kid, it doesn't grow on trees. I'm not so sure. So, and so here we are, we're getting, and we're getting so excited, right? Look at all this stuff that's coming. Do we even have an understanding of how rich we are? Do we even have a grasp this Easter on the riches of our inheritance that has already been secured for us in Jesus Christ? I join Paul in that prayer today. God, open the eyes of our understanding this Easter that we will know how exceedingly rich beyond measure we are regardless of what our bank account says. And then the third prayer Paul prays, and this is the one we're going to zero in on today. Paul prays, thirdly, that we would know the incomparably great power that is given to us through the resurrection. Paul actually continues his thought in verse number 19 as he elaborates on this when he says this about this incomparably great power. Verses 19 through 23. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let me just tell you what that whole thing says. It says everything that is God's is yours. You've got it all. He's done it for his church. He's done it for us. So this Easter, I joined Paul in praying experientially that each one of us would know the hope to which he has called us, the abundant riches of our inheritance, and the incomparably great power. However, there is something 
profound in Paul's prayer that in this series that we've been in equipped, we've not yet touched on. I would suggest to us this morning, it is the single most important word in Paul's prayer. And we've not even talked about it. And the word actually appears at the beginning of his prayer. Let's reread Ephesians chapter 1, 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Listen, friends, this is not simply a done deal until we do something with it. The reality is, is this all promised? Absolutely. I have been saying throughout this series, we've been echoing it through our different communicators, that in Christ, we have already been equipped to step into the arena and to meet the demands of life through God's mighty power. Listen, that is 100% true. But it actually requires something of us. It requires that we believe it's true. It requires that we believe it's true. It isn't going to be availed to us until we believe in what has been promised to us. Now, this morning, this Easter Sunday morning, that, I believe, is the most important topic that we could talk about. Belief. That word, believe, is central throughout the Gospels. In fact, it was one of Jesus' favorite words. He uses it often throughout the Gospels. It was as though Jesus said, the most important issue to me is belief. Jesus wanted to know, do you believe that I am sent from God? Jesus wanted to know, do you believe that I am for you? Jesus wanted to know, do you believe that you're worth being loved? Being forgiven? Being redeemed? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? And in all the Gospels, the four Gospels, the one where it becomes most pronounced is in the Gospel of John, where that word believe appears 90 times. Listen to how John culminates his letter, his book, his Gospel. And he gives us the reason for why he wrote it in the first place at the end of his book. John chapter 20, here's what he says. Verses 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Notice how central belief is to our redemption, to our forgiveness, to the life that God offers to us. I would suggest to us this morning that that word belief is the word on which everything else in the Christian life hinges. It all flows from it and it all connects to it. You cannot separate Christianity and you cannot separate Jesus from the word believe. It's so critical. 
Well, in John's gospel, there is one particular place where the word actually appears more times than in any other chapter. In one chapter alone in John's gospel, the word believe appears eight times, most of them spoken by Jesus. And here's the story in the chapter before we get into it. It's the story of Jesus arriving late for a funeral. Very, very late for a funeral. Now, I have a recurring nightmare. I actually had it just a few weeks ago again. My recurring nightmare is that I am going to show up at an event I am supposed to speak at or be a part of, and I am running late. And everything that can get in my way gets in my way. I don't even want to tell you the things that get in my way that prevent me from getting to places. It's really embarrassing, to be honest with you. The good news is it's never happened yet, right? Never happened. Never have I been late for an event that I was responsible for or that I was going to be ministering at. I'm really thankful for that. I was, however, late one time for a wedding that I was invited to. And I was so excited. My wife and I were going to be a part of it. I wasn't officiating. But for some reason, we had it on our calendar 30 minutes later than the actual scheduled time of the wedding. And so when we showed up and walked in the church 30 minutes late, we were walking in the front doors of the church as the couple were coming down the aisle and the wedding was over. They were on their way out. The good news is I was the first one to greet them, okay? <laughs> Gave them both a huge hug. And I said, I would not have missed your wedding for the world. <laughs> Chris, I love you. I love you. <laughs> it was one of my most embarrassing moments, to be honest with you. So I have this recurring nightmare. Well, listen, in this particular chapter, two women, Mary and Martha, are having a very bad dream. What feels like a very bad dream. Their brother is really sick. He is close to dying. The only thing they can think about is Jesus. They've seen what he's done. They, this is a family friend. He had been with them. He had spent time with them. They knew one another. And so they knew, we can reach out to Jesus and surely he'll come. Well, guess what Jesus does? Jesus delays his coming. In fact, so much delay... That by the time he gets the word that Lazarus is sick, to the time that he arrives at their home in Bethany, one week has passed. A couple of days of delay, he dies, he's buried now for four days. Jesus was not a day late and a dollar short. Jesus was a week late and a thousands and thousands of dollars short. He comes and Martha is beside herself. She greets Jesus, and she greets him with these words. John chapter 11, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, in that statement, there's a mixture of both confidence in Jesus and disappointment with Jesus. She is sharing both I had hopes in you, but listen, you failed us. You let us down. You didn't come through the way we thought you would. And, and, and what Martha is doing here is she is filing a complaint on behalf of the whole family. She's logging a complaint. She's actually questioning Jesus. 
She's questioning whether Jesus really cares like he said he cares. She's questioning whether Jesus really had the power that she thought he did. She's questioning whether he's really aware of what they're going through. Have you ever done that? Have you ever questioned God? Have you ever questioned whether God is really for you? Now, I know there are some people that say, you must never question God. And in one sense, they are absolutely correct. Because who are we mere mortals to question the immortal, right? Who are we? And yet watch what Jesus does. Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter into my kingdom. What did he mean by that? Well, one of the things I've learned as a parent and now a grandparent is that kids ask questions. In fact, kids ask lots and lots of questions. And we encourage them to do it. Why? Because we want them to grow. They can ask questions without being punished. I think here's the point. Questioning God does not make you a bad Christian. Questioning God makes you a child. It makes you a kid. It makes you somebody who's dependent on God. And you know that God can be trusted as your father. To come and say, this is what I'm struggling with, God. And I want to work it out with you. I want to wrestle with you until we figure this thing out because I'm struggling. That's what Martha's doing. She's struggling. Her faith is struggling. And here's how Jesus responds, verses 23 through 25. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, oh, I know. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, Jesus said to her, now here it is. I am the resurrection. And I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. In this last year, some of us here have lost people that were very close to us. In this last year, some of us have grieved deeply the loss of people that we loved. I know who some of you are because I've sat with you in it. We've been in it together. But listen, friends, I got great news for you on this Easter Sunday morning. They are not dead. They may have exited this earth, but they are far from dead in Christ. This is the promise of Easter. Promise of Easter is that we have a win-win as a child of God. If you live, you win. If you die, you win. That's the promise of Easter. The resurrection assures us that whether we live or whether we die, according to the standards of this world, we win in Jesus Christ. That, friends, is the promise. And that is what we celebrate on this Easter Sunday morning. Here's the big idea if I were to give one this morning. It is this, that because of Easter, we win. Whether by life or by death, we win. And we are fully alive in Jesus. Either way, some of us need to hear that this morning. Some of us are going through some dark times like us in our family. 
we know what's up against us. We recognize it. But we have a hope today, friends. A hope that may at times elude us, but it will never fail us. It will never fade and it will never mark it down. It will never disappoint us and it will never leave us out to dry. So, Jesus is hearing everything Martha's saying. And he says to her, not I'm going to be resurrected, but I am the resurrection. Not, Not that I traffic in death, but I traffic in life. That's what I do. That's who I am. But Jesus actually now has a question for Martha. She brought her concerns and her disappointment to him. Now he has a question for her. Let's take a look at the question. John chapter 11, verse 26. Whoever lives, Jesus said, whoever lives by believing in me, will never die. Here's the question. Do you believe this? That is the question this Easter that every single one of us must answer. Do I believe this? And when he says believe here, Jesus is actually talking about trust. That's really what Jesus is saying. Jesus is really saying, not just do you have a cognitive awareness of me, not just are you saying, sure, I believe in Jesus, who was a historical figure, who was crucified, who was resurrected, blah, blah, blah. But do I believe? Do I for me, for myself, Have I put my faith, which I believe is what activates all the promises of God. The word believe activates everything. When we believe the moment we believe, there's something that changes in us. And Jesus wanted to know from her, do you believe? Literally, do you trust me? Now, I learned something early on in marriage that I still from time to time do today. And and sometimes I'll say to Kelly, and early in marriage I would say it in a way that I knew she didn't like, I'd say, just trust me. Men, you ever make that mistake? You ever incur the wrath of your wife because you said, do you trust me? Now, I recognize that it all depends on the mood, the tone. There are times I say to her, honey, do you trust me? And she'll say, absolutely. And there are other times it's harder for her depending on the conversation, right? Depending on what's going on. What Jesus really is saying here is that to us. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Some of us have a pushback when we hear that. Some of us take offense to that. Some of us feel like, I don't know if I could trust him. We feel a little bit like Charlie Brown in the comic strip, and we've all seen this because it's the classic, when Lucy, who is his arch nemesis, says, Charlie, I'll hold the football for you, and you can trust me. And he goes against his better judgment, and he gives it all he has, and at the last minute, what does she do? She yanks the football, and he goes flying into the air. We, some of us feel that way with God. We wonder, when's God going to pull the rug out from under us? When's God going to lift the football? And joke is on us. 
because we've placed all of our trust in him. Listen, friends, we have got to answer that question today on this Easter Sunday morning. And what I'm inviting all of us to do is to ask ourselves that question. Do I believe this? Do I believe that Jesus is the resurrection? Do I believe that Jesus is the life? Do I believe that whoever believes in him will live even if they die? Do I believe this? Because what Jesus goes on to say in verse number 40 is this. He says, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Let me ask you, how many of you one day want to see the glory of God, right, in your life? How many of you want to see it? How many of you want to see it now in your life? You want to experience it? Do you believe? Let me make this very personal today and very intimate as we bring this talk to a close. The questions that we have to answer today are these. Do I believe that God is present in my circumstances even when they're difficult? Even when I can't see him? Do I believe that God really cares about my life? about the issues that I face? Do I really believe that he is aware and present in those? Let me tell you the one I've been wrestling with the most lately in the last few months since Kelly's diagnosis. Do I believe that God is ultimate goodness even when everything in life feels hard and feels difficult and feels sad? Do I believe do I believe that God is still ultimate goodness? Do I believe, you gotta answer this question today. Do I believe that God's will for my life is God's best offer to me, regardless of the outcomes? Do I believe that God's will is God's best offer to me, regardless of the outcomes, regardless of whether something resolves or doesn't resolve the way we desire? Do I believe? The bottom line, friends, is that this Easter, you got a decision to make. All of us have a decision to make. I made mine many years ago when I knew that I couldn't believe in myself anymore. I had nothing else to believe in. There was nobody I, I could really trust in my life. And I thought, man, why not give this go <laughs> and give Jesus a shot here? I have nothing to lose. And it took me a year to I finally surrendered everything to Christ and I abandoned everything and I said yes to him fully. But my journey began when I just said, Lord, I want to trust you. I don't know what that all means, but I want to trust you. I, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. This morning, some of you are going to have to say that. God, help my unbelief. But I want to believe. So this morning, this word all culminates from Jesus in verses 41 and 42. When Jesus looked up to his father and said, Father, I thank you. You've heard me. Thank you that you've heard me. Lazarus is going to come alive. Thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Notice it, that they may believe that you sent me. The end of the day, that's what mattered most to Jesus. Do we believe 
We aren't standing here today, but we are sitting together. Do you believe? Bow your heads, please. I wanna ask you this morning, if you're in this auditorium, if you're joining us by way of our broadcast this morning, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is who he said he is? Do you believe that Jesus said you are worthy of me dying for you? You're worth that much to me. I'm gonna give my life for you. Do you believe that God is ultimate goodness? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life, that you are promised a win-win by trusting in him? Do you believe that? Some of us in this auditorium, some of us joining us by way of our broadcast today need to reaffirm our faith that we believe because it's gotten shaken over the last year. Others of us here, this may be the first time in our life that we become fully aware that Easter is more than candy and chocolate bunnies. Easter is about Jesus. And you may be coming aware of that for the first time this Easter. I'm so glad you are, and I'm so glad that it's happening at Grace Crossing Church because we would love to celebrate that with you. Now, you're here this morning, and you fit either of those categories Either you want to cross the line of faith and say, I want to believe it and give my heart to Jesus, or I want to reaffirm my faith that I believe, even though it's been shaken a bit. I want to reaffirm that I believe in Jesus, that he has the resurrection and the life this Easter. If that's you today, I'm going to invite you to boldly stand where you are. Just boldly stand right where you are. And I want to pray. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed this morning. But if that's you, would you stand please? And then I just want to offer a prayer for all of us today. I'm going to wait just a moment to give people time to evaluate their hearts, to pray that the eyes of their understanding would be opened. To God be the glory, great things, God, you are doing in our lives, even when it's hard to see. I'm aware today that you are moving in a very significant way in our hearts. There are people here in this auditorium, Lord, who are affirming they believe today, reaffirming their faith. There are others that are joining us at home today or perhaps at a coffee shop somewhere or a library as we've learned some people internationally are doing. They're borrowing a computer to join us. Whatever it is, God, we thank you that there are people today who are affirming their belief in you, that you are the resurrection and the life. And I ask today, Lord, that you'll help us that as we step forward, that as we celebrate this Easter, all that you've done for us, that God, our hearts will come alive with the reality of what is ours in Christ because we believe. And our belief will activate the hope, the riches, and the power. And I thank you, Lord, for doing it for each one of us here today. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Can we give a hand to those who stood? Can we give a hand to Christ today? Give praise to the Lord. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.